Puetmore from 1500ESPN.com. Puetmore. Are you British? Uh, I have a little bit of English in my uh, on my family tree. Yeah, why? Well, Wetmore just seems like a very British last name. Well, you guys know me enough Wetmore. to know that uh, hey, you couldn't you couldn't exactly tell by looking, but I am mostly Norwegian. There's a lot of Norwegian in this blood. Okay. Oh, really? I'm surprised. Yeah. By that. No, I really, know. Really, really I know. surprised by that. I know. Interesting. It. Yeah, your your uh, your skin is awfully fair. It's it's the suntan that sort of tricks people most times. <laughs> I can, think. Can, can you? So we spent a few segments <laughs> earlier talking about just the state of Miguel Sano, and we and we've seen some of the quotes that that have come from you and some of the other beat writers from down there in Fort Myers about, uh, as, as Thad Levine put it a few days ago, Miguel Sano has a generous carriage, mm. and his conditioning is uh, lagging because he was not very active this off season with the surgery. But to which I say, aren't there other ways to to show up without? A belly? Are there other ways to, to get nutrition? Um, what what do you make of the arrival of Miguel Sano, and and what does the team and the decision makers think of him here now that he's back in camp? Yeah, it, it takes me back to two springs ago. I distinctly remember where I was sitting in my hotel room when Judd and I got into a very contentious argument uh, over the future of Miguel Sano, and I basically said, Look, it's way too early to write off a guy like this. You can't just say he's going to be a left tackle by the time he's 25 and needs to be a DH. It's it's far too soon to say that. Well, I still think it's a little too soon to say that, but it's looking a lot closer to reality than uh, two years ago when we were fighting about that. So I'm, I'm just about willing to admit that Judd was right there. Because, uh, look, yeah, he had surgery to fix his leg, put some stability in there, and now he's got a metal rod that he'll live with for the rest of his life. That sets you back, of course. But if you're a pro athlete and you're taking this yes. very seriously, it's entirely possible to get on a program, a regimen that would allow for some conditioning that's non-running. I mean, how seriously are you going to take this? Um, that's my personal opinion on it. But you asked, too, about Twins decision makers. I still think that they do hold out hope that there's this uh, superstar caliber player in there, a guy who can hold up for a full season, a guy who can play, I heard the other day, above average defensive third base and also who can smash you know 40 45 home runs that's well within his grasp but you can also see the flip side of that where a guy strikes out all the time a guy maybe doesn't take conditioning as seriously as most people would like and who that is a leading indicator of you're not taking your job as seriously as some people would like so there's definitely two two paths you could see this thing going and they're they're very different ball players in my mind I, I think the twins are still hopeful they get the good version of it but uh judd uh just about ready to say you might have beaten me in that argument two years ago two spring trainings ago so wh- what derek is your sense then of the uh, decision makers concern because that to me i mean this is not just a story about a guy who had surgery and and showed up not in the best of shape. This is an ongoing story. I mean, this this well, this goes back to Patrick's column what two or three springs ago, basically exactly right. about this concern. So so give me give me with all that we know about him the totality of the concern because it's not just one thing. Right. I think that's. I think that if you were to say in a vacuum, one player showed up to spring training. 15 pounds heavier than you would have liked to have seen for a huge guy like that whose game isn't necessarily predicated fully on agility or on foot speed and all that you'd be like well okay it's not the best news but fine but when it becomes a pattern 
that's, I think, where the concern is, Judd, that it it doesn't seem to me like it would be too difficult to be... <laughs> Did you just get that blast? Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. So is, this, is that Pat cranking some uh, Top yeah. 40 in the background? Yes. Uh, uh, it's... Pat's Taylor Swift playlist apparently is what's on at Hammond <laughs> Stadium. So, huh? all right, just to just to give you guys a paint the picture here, we're Pat dealing longs with... to be one of the uh, recycled <laughs> men that Taylor Swift <laughs> yes. writes about someday. Yeah, we are dealing with uh, 90 degrees and cloudy but blue skies in Fort Myers, yeah, and okay, I'm sitting right. in Pat's radio booth watching. Actually, it's Tyler Duffy throwing live batting practice right now. I didn't know that I was 10 feet from a speaker that until just now had been silent all morning. And uh, now we've got Taylor Swift. So I hope it's not too bad for you guys, but that's... It's not that bad. Go ahead. We'll doing. get through it. We'll get through it. Going. Continue on, yeah. All right. So uh, speaking of Taylor Swift, uh, transitioning back to Miguel Sano is uh, the the pattern, Judd, I think is what is concerning. It's not just an isolated incident. And like I, I said before, I think if it was just weight or something, you'd be like, okay, whatever. There have been big hitters who succeed. You, you've you seen before. You don't need to be chiseled from granite to be a Major League Baseball player. Plenty of guys are successful despite never appearing on the cover of, uh, of GQ magazine. But if it's a, if it's a leading indicator for how much how much you care about your profession, how seriously you take your job, that's where I think you start to get concerned. I, personally, I don't care what the scale says. It doesn't matter to me whether his body weight is 265, 295. If he is in you know, the right kind of cardiovascular shape and keeps himself strong and agile, that's fine. You can weigh whatever you want to. But if it's if it's doughier, if it's not able to run the bases effectively, if it's, well, I need a day off after this game because I took a lot of ground balls at third base. I'm not saying that's where he's at because we, obviously we don't know that. He hasn't gotten into the season yet. But if that's what it's going to be, obviously that paints a concerning picture that here's a guy with all the talent in the world that maybe isn't mentally engaged to take to, you know, take full advantage of it. I, it's not there yet, Judd, but that seems to be the direction it's trending right now. Uh, Wetmore down in Fort Myers covering the Twins in spring training for 1500ESPN.com, the Touch em All podcast. So John Heyman sent out a sneaky tweet a few minutes ago just saying that the Twins, because they were rejected on their five-year, hundred-plus-million-dollar offer for you, Darvish, they still have a lot of flexibility if they want to. Uh, Does your gut say that the Twins are done adding starting pitching before the season starts? Or do you think there's still a chance with a Lance Lynn or an Alex Cobb out there? My gut says they're done, Phil. I don't think that it's an impossibility. In fact, John Heyman's here. at uh, He was here at Hammond Stadium earlier today. Might be bopping over to Red Sox, too. Hmm. So he's not just randomly tweeting that this morning. No, but you could also interpret this however you want to, because I was not a part of the conversation. I think that Derek Falvey and Thad Levine continue to say what they've told us all spring, What really what they've told us all winter. All winter it was, we're focused on adding starting pitching. Or we need to improve the bullpen. The pitching staff needs to be better, and we're going to be proactive. Now that they've brought in a couple of guys, they've signed like six major league pitchers this, this winter, if you include Michael Pineda. And now the tone has shifted to, we're comfortable with where we're at, but we're always keeping our options open. So, so you could get the old, we're keeping our options open, we're monitoring the market. You could get that line and then throw in your own speculation that, oh, well, here are some pitchers on the market and the Twins are still interested. That's sometimes how those things get started. I would just personally, from my perspective, from the conversations that I've had down here, talking with multiple people inside the Twins front office, I think it's more likely that they're happy with their pitching staff now 
And if prices come down on the free agent market, then okay, yeah, maybe you'd dip your toes in that water again. I just think that the most likely scenario is that they're going to open the season with the staff that they have right now, and then they might look to supplement that maybe at the trade deadline. You know what I would do? So Jake Arrieta clearly wants a long-term deal that teams feel uncomfortable giving him, and Scott Boris is his agent. And uh, and, and if you look, like... You know, he his numbers have gotten worse the last two years from being the best pitcher in baseball in 2015. I think teams yeah. are looking for a bounce-back, prove-it season. I would let, if Scott Boris were willing, I would let Jake Arrieta use me if I'm the Twins front office for a bounce-back season at Target Field. If he wanted to, if you want, if he wanted like twenty million dollars for one year, even and maybe a mutual option for that second year, or. Two years and then some kind of a mutual. If, as long as the Twins have the option to not continue the relationship, um, I would let Jake Arrieta use me for for a bounce back season and then go somewhere else if if you know he got a longer term deal. Yeah, that'd be fine because it just adds another decent starter to the rotation. I think if you're Arietta or if you are Scott Boris, you're either looking for a it could be a a prove a contract would be more like thirty million, and that's like okay yeah. for one year. That's a lot of money on a sort of a gamble, even if it is just a short term commitment. That's still real money. Uh, more likely, you'd still look for some kind of long term security, knowing that. Ah, boy, if his best years are behind him, this will be the best time to cash in. Next year is going to be a free agency bonanza, and I don't know that you want to be part of that crowded market. So, uh, yeah, I'm not that interested in Jake Arrieta. I don't think he's as good as you, Darvish, is, but he would definitely make the Twins rotation better right now. And I guess if the price is right, then you probably do that contract. I, I think a Boris client is very unlikely to do that type of contract, guys, but I do, I do think the Twins should not be done. I think the, the addition that they made on Saturday is very nice, and, and I like it. But you've got the flexibility now uh, to, I think, go to a Cobb or a Lance Lynn and say, look, you're going to be on this free agent shelf for quite some time. You both have, have something to prove. I will give you a two- or three-year contract. But mm. I think there is there is no question in my mind the Twins made a very nice move, and the deal was pretty much a steal with the Rays. But all of that being said, I would go make one one more move. And my ideal, once uh, once Irv is back, would be to have Gibson as my five. So if sure. I could go, if I could go get one more guy, I've got the flexibility. I can do it. I sign one more guy. Sure, and we're talking about this too because we think about it in terms of starting five. But realistically, how many starting pitchers are the Twins going to use this year? I got a hint. It's more than five. Sure. So that would put guys like Phil Hughes, guys like Adalberto Mejia, I mean, even Kyle Gibson, Trevor May. That puts them more into that back end and depth. And then you figure it out. Anibal Sanchez is in that depth conversation. So that turns more into, (laughs) right, exactly. That turns more into, all right, this guy, if we needed him in a pinch, we could go call him instead of calling Adam Wilk or uh, Nick Tepish or Nick Turley. That's... That's the position the Twins have put themselves in. But, Judd, I agree they're not uh, they're not a perfect or complete pitching staff right now. My personal temptation would be roll into the season with this, see what you get from Phil Hughes, see what you get eventually in late May or early June from a guy like Trevor May, who I think's really, really talented and could help the rotation a lot this year. Uh, and, then, and then, if you're still in the race, talking July... Start getting on the horn with any club that is getting rid of a top tier pitcher. I'm not talking. I'm not talking Lance Lynn. I'm not talking Alex Cobb. Those are nice pitchers, top end of mid rotation. I mean, go get a top end starter, a bona fide ace, so that then you can be 
real, real serious players in October, and and that's how I think you open your postseason window wide open. Uh, Derek, what can people find on 1500ESPN.com and the new mobile app here from you down in Fort Myers right now? Right now, I'm really curious about the jobs available in the bullpen. They signed a bunch of relievers, so you'd think those are written in ink. How many jobs are available? I kind of looked at the long list of relievers there. And then, of course, we've got tons of stuff on the Odorizzi edition, what the trade means for them, how good of a pitcher Odorizzi can be. And I've got a future column coming probably later this afternoon on if things go perfectly for Odorizzi, how good can he be? Can he be that top-end starter for the Twins? That'll be posted later today. All right, there it is. Wet more down in Fort Myers. Awesome stuff. Thanks, Derek. We'll catch up tomorrow, man. Thanks, guys. All Enjoy. right. Um, yeah, we're in the TCL Broadcast Studios. He is in the Taylor Swift Studios down at Hammond Stadium, apparently. Oh, it's great stuff.